Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is the other thing I do. My guest this week is Florian Francois, a Toronto-based actor, writer, and producer whose new series Rencontre is based on his own experiences as a French expat living in an Anglophone metropolis. The show just had its first public screening this weekend in Toronto, and it's currently available for viewing in Canada on Bell 5 TV1. Florian picked Intouchable, Olivier Nakache and Eric Toledano's 2011 odd couple dramedy starring Francois Cluzet as a wealthy Parisian, recently rendered quadriplegic, and Omar C as the working-class immigrant he hires as his caregiver. Playing on issues of class, race, and culture, the film was a crowd-pleasing smash in its native France, and an international hit as well, racking up audience awards at film festivals around the world. It's an unapologetic, feel-good commercial picture, and I guess that's why it works. This is someone else's movie. In France, actually, it's intouchable. It's not les intouchables. Oh, I see. I know they translated the into the intouchables. So I chose this film because, uh, so I'm French in another country, mm-hmm. and so people will rec- will ask me for recommendation for any French stuff, the best French wine, the best French restaurant, the best French everything. And when we talk about film, intouchable is the first one I'm gonna recommend. I uh, it's not I, there's a lot of films that matters more for me, but comedy like from the 70s that I grew up watching and I don't think they translate super well what I love about Antouchable is that it's universal it's very popular I think that's the third biggest success in the box office in France ever and it's also great it's a very good film the acting is amazing the writing is is great the cinematography it's just a very good quality film that managed to be a huge success. And most of the time, the huge successes are not the best films. So that's why I'll, what I love about this film, or other than its quality, and that's why I, I chose this one. It took a while for it to get here. I remember, I remember it was, I think it played Cannes, possibly, and then opened in France, but it was several months before it played Tiff, and then further until it actually opened theatrically here. So by the time it arrived, it was we were just like, it's this monster hit. It's the biggest film in France. And then we all saw it and, oh, that's nice. It's a small movie. How does something this tiny become so huge? And the answer, like, it's a simple answer. Everybody went to see it. But that strikes me as odd. I mean, I, I love the commercial successes in other countries because they don't feel like box mm. office hits here. They feel like movies. Yeah, I think what happened, there's like this, so first of all, uh, we have Omar Sy, Omar Sy, I think mm-hmm. that's how you pronounce it yes, here. Yes, we ruined it. It's all, it's all. And uh, it was like TV, it was like mostly doing TV, it was one of those guys that was going to look a three minute comedy show on Canal Plus, so it was like a TV personality, uh, his film career, he had some secondary supporting roles. But it was already very popular. Then we have François Cluzet, the other actor, who's been kind of the French Dustin Hoffman, I think. So it was, it was like a mix, uh, an encounter between like those uh, up-and-coming comedian and this established film actor that everyone respect. And I think all the film is about uh, two things that get together. It's the poor, the poverty and the richness. It's the suburbs and the uh, bourgeoisie. Uh, it's it's having 
kind of two Frances, like the two extreme of France that get together. I personally am from middle class, so I've been lucky to have friends that live in the border, in the suburbs, in neighborhood where you would not feel safe. And I also have some friends that have swimming pools in their house. So I, had, I was lucky and I'm lucky to have known all friends because of that. And in this film, I found it was a very well-transcripted representation of those two realities. Two Francis that never talk to each other, that ignore each other, that see each other through the media prism. And that's interesting to see them meeting. And also, it was a true story. And a story made of kindness. Uh, it's a sincere film. It's not a movie that has been made to follow some kind of a, of a formula. It was just a true story about friendship, about helping each other. And uh, yeah, that thing, it touched everyone's heart. And, you know, France has some issues with racism, communitarism. Uh, and uh, it's a country that since in the last, uh, for a long time, had some issues with that. And this film was kind of bringing it together. It's a film that uh, kids love, uh, adults love, elders elder love. It's really a film that, it touched everyone, and I don't know what happened with that, but that just worked. Yeah, it's four quadrants, right? Male, female, young, old. It, it hits everybody. Yeah. And there is a there's a nice crankiness to it. That was the thing that I remember being impressed by. That it doesn't. It feels. I mean, it's a commercial film, and it's it's designed to make you feel positive in the end. But there's there's a good layer of loathing running through it. Cluzet uh, is just he's attracted to to Sai because he's just as pissy. They're, they're both equally short-tempered, which is a great generator for low-key conflict and comedy, but also gives us a, a little more insight into the characters than perhaps an American film might have allowed. And again, neither of us has seen the remake yet, but um, I can only imagine they've smoothed out some of its edges. This, this is a film with more spikes than, than maybe you, I would have expected. Yeah, this film is not politically correct. There's like some jokes about the handicap or even jokes one of the characters who's, uh, who's a lesbian. And then when uh, Driss uh, Omar Sy's character find out there's just some reaction, we're just not, it's not a politically correct film. And they, they managed to make it okay. Like, because every time they were like, crossing the line there was still this uh, this kindness and it, it, it was it still come from the heart and the reality that a character like Driss would react uh, at some point on the film it says that so um, uh, Philippe the the well uh, the quadriplegic the quadriplegic says he likes him because he's pitiless mm-hmm. and that's what he wants he wants someone pitiless with him and I thought it was just it just it happened like this. It's just like it's the clash of context about having two person that's total opposites that just get together, and all this yeah crankiness and it's just because they they kept to a reality, a reality of what it's like to be alone, to be lonely, and what it's like to live in the suburbs in a tiny apartment with eight other kids and brother and sisters and then arriving to this giant house where just your bedroom is bigger than the entire apartment where you grew up on. 
and I found they didn't try to make it funny or make it just car- they avoid any like cliche and they just react like human beings and how people would react in real life yeah there are a lot of moments where people just sort of take in the situation and just pause and let us feel it for it for the moment and that's something that's often rushed through in North American cinema or at least they'll they'll hang a lantern on it and say I didn't think you'd expect to see something like this it's just there in in the film it's it's something that like the disability that's being dealt with all the time it's not played up it's taken for granted Cluzette's sitting down and that's just how his character relates to everybody else and then gradually we get to understand his frustrations and his um his uh his sense of being trapped but it's not ever underlined or mm. highlighted it's just there so much of the film is just present in these in the moments of the characters lives yeah i found they were very like they used a lot of for instance there's just this uh, scene where you see them like filming the suburbs of all the big buildings and you can see like it's crowded it's it's crumbling down and then you see Dries taking the train and going to the rich center of Paris and just with that no there's no words about just with the image they manage to show that difference and in a subtle way but it's clear enough and they didn't add a scene or and they still like for instance we have a scene in a bathroom in uh, in his apartment where uh, Dries is trying to take a shower and all his brother and sisters are around and he cannot even have hot water and then five minutes later you see like his private bathroom and you can see in his eyes wow but they didn't have like dialogues to say oh yeah it, it just just with just with the look yeah and the sound design too yeah. I mean it just gets quieter which it would yeah. but the, the bustle of the film is, is, is so much more distinct in his in the sequences in the I'm going to mispronounce it the Banlieu Bonlieu, yeah. See, mispronounced it. Yeah, that was pretty good. In the Bonlieu. I'm a good mimic, but I can't <laughs> actually speak the language, so I'm constantly running into that. Um, the other thing that impressed me, I guess, is that there's uh, there's real. Yeah, the comedy is real. That the humor comes out of again. It's it's the conflict of personalities rather than obvious situations or or just uh, calculation to get two characters into a funny place. It's, mm. you know, because we were told this is this really successful comedy and something. It is funny, but it's really, it's funny in a more observational, pleasant way. It's not insistent. Uh, you were talking about Danny Boone and, and uh, filmmakers who travel or don't travel, but who are wildly successful. When you say French comedy, this isn't what people think of, mm. which is good, I think, because... Uh, French comedy, at least outside of, of France and maybe Quebec, has gotten a bit of a bad reputation as being pretty broad. Not as broad as German comedy, but it's a thing, right? European comedy doesn't translate very well. Yeah, I, I think that one thing that, for instance, uh, if you if Adam Sandler or Will Ferrell will go to France, barely no one will recognize them. They're really not that known. No, and Tina Fey and all all like the the Office, Box and Rex were here, for instance. They barely they are barely they're barely even known in France and it's very I think like even the smart comedy like the Judd Apatow movies mm. they barely do any in the box office barely no one goes to see them mm. so comedy is very specific and like if you go to all the action movies because uh, even in France most people will still watch the American movies but they're most going to be like action or franchise superhero mm. but comedy is really hard to travel and even some very successful films here 
like I'm thinking, for instance, the Big Sick uh, that was released yeah, this summer yeah. that was a big hit. I'm almost positive that this film will never get theatrically released in France because it doesn't comedy doesn't travel so well. The stand-up culture is still quite new in France. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gad Elmaleh, that's still a bit known yes, here, and sure. uh, another comedian called Jamel Debus kind of brought it to to France. But stand-up is still new but in France comedy for instance we have more the culture of one man show where you're gonna play a character and do sketches even if you're alone right. but the stand up is just like barely 20 years old 20 years old really? and, and a lot of it was that new yeah and a lot of comedy like now with Netflix with internet more people have access but for instance people in France will discover shows like Sturdy Rock or Seinfeld Seinfeld in France is barely known I've started to watch Seinfeld here in Canada because I need to understand what everyone was talking about. <laughs> it's great, but if I watched it when I was 15 years old in France, probably would not have liked it. Uh, Friends was, is still very successful in France, but mm. I think it's yeah, comedy. It's a, it's a weird the way of traveling, mm. and it's like I don't I cannot not I cannot quote any German comedian because we don't get this comedy. It's Spanish still. Like right, it's yeah. comedy is very. It's very, and even even in the same country, I think there's like comedians that will only work in the south of France or in the north of France. Really, that's well. Actually, that's England has a similar tradition. There's a little more crossover, but yeah, the people who are from the north play in the north and, and mm. in the south and the south. Is it? I, do you think it's just because it's so verbal? I mean, so language based comedy. I mean, comedy is so much of it depends on the audience, the recognition, mm. the brain figuring things out. I think more than the language, that's probably just the culture, the references. Mm-hmm. It's growing up with the same references. Oh, sure. I do a lot of improv here in Toronto, and I miss some stuff because I don't get the reference because I didn't grow up. I'm catching up on Kings on the Hole, for instance. I'm just <laughs> like, I, I, they're great. I, I love it, but I didn't grow up watching them. And uh, it's like, uh, so when I, when I first started on my first year, I joined uh, Les Improbables, which is a French-speaking troupe. Mostly composed by French Canadians from Ontario, Quebec, and whatnot. But and they're here in Toronto. We're here in Toronto. We have shows every other week at Bad Dog Theatre. Oh, yeah. And in the troupe, there's people from France, uh, Canada, Africa. So it's really like very broad, a bunch of francophones. And we have a lot of sometimes things that doesn't quite work because... I was going to say, yeah, you're drawing from different bases. Yeah. Now I'm very getting used to it because it's my fifth year like with the troupe. So now I get the references and I know more about... Uh, the Quebecois culture and stuff. but my first year sometimes I just missed it huh. a lot of reference so it's not even the language because even like something that will really work for in Quebec won't work in France and the other way around sure it's I, I truly believe it's the reference and what you grew up with yeah quite possibly I mean like when I'm with some French Canadian friends and if I speak with another European French sometimes they will miss word oh. or we have expression that's different like all oh, our slang for sure is very different sure and yeah, like, it's very it's very funny to see uh, like the difference. And now that I've been here for more than four years now, I kind of take the best of both worlds. I'm like, I like you, I like this Quebec expression better than mine, so I'll take this one. Mm-hmm. And so, but yeah, my my first year it was very funny. We had like a, a bunch, like so many misunderstandings, and that's uh, that's a good and that's a good comedy uh, that we can have a lot of comedy with that sure, too. Sure, yeah. I, uh, I find if I'm in England for more than a week, I start slipping into their dialect. I don't do the accent, but my everything becomes a question, and, uh, <laughs> and I'm much more apologetic. And it's just it's just local exposure. Mm. Um, but with uh, 
with other cinema, my with French cinema specifically, my and German a little bit, my language is just good enough to know when the subtitles aren't right, when they're giving me the basic version rather than the actual nuance. And uh, and that gets us back to to into Shabla because so much of it is about nuance. It's about the interplay of the two cultures and the way mm. they the way they mix and eventually find balance between the two of them uh, while still being funny. It's still being a relatable comedy, but it's it's the the mesh of acting styles is something that I was unexpected that well that I was unprepared for, just because uh, Omar C. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I guess you see Psy and yeah, yeah, there it is. Uh, C is so good at being so closed, and Cluzette is closed in a completely different way. That the first half hour is like watching an immovable object and, a, and an, another immovable object. It's not even the thing about irresistible force. They just give each other space without as actors, mm. but the characters just don't connect on completely different you can i'm not sure i'm articulating this well you can watch the actors play even when the characters aren't interacting in the slightest and i thought that was fascinating i think acting wise one thing that really blew me away when i rewatched it was how well i don't know it's also like a good job from the editing part the silence Mm -hmm. they played a lot with the silence and how yeah these two characters before they became friends and how like like it was like two dogs sniffing each other. Yeah, it's it's really and yeah, and I just found like they were like the way they act and the way they give space to each other and interacting and interact with each other and play with the silence that it was really like impressive and it felt so natural too. So that's uh, that's that's yeah, that, that was a, a great part acting wise about how they just they were comfortable with the silence and which is how you'd assume in life and most most of the times on the films or if you do improv being comfortable with the silence for instance as an improviser for me is one of the key ones you know you you made it when you can be okay with silent being on stage with another improviser and having us not speaking for 30 seconds and being completely okay with that yeah, the one time I did improv, I was absolutely terrified of the silence because what does it mean? I can't. Does it mean they're waiting for me, or does it mean that the audience is waiting on me? How how do I fill this? What do I do? Yeah, but in life, there's silence too. Yeah, and it's fine. And if you were with um, a man and a caregiver, there's bound to be stretches of time when mm. nothing is done. When they just simply yeah, and, I, and it's also like what you say when you with your friends and your partners. It's just sometimes you just walk or nobody speaking and that's fine yeah, yeah it's true and it's it's more of life than we often see in films because you know the running time is such that you want to make it all count you want to fill it with incident you want to keep everything going but yeah this is an observational movie and there's going to be mm. periods of observation and with, just with the look they gave so much to it just I know like for instance uh, on the last scene when you just see a Dries character looking at his friend and just with the look you don't need no words just that it is just beautiful and that's because there's the set like the writing of the characters and the build up of their relationship is so strong that you don't need words it just works yeah by the time we get there we know them yeah and that's something too that doesn't feel so much of a calculation I mean there's there are moments in the movie where I did feel that 
it's not manipulative exactly, but it's easier than it might otherwise be. There, you know, questions of of just the the, the ins and outs, the caring for someone with a spinal injury. Uh, it's it can be messy, it can mm. be ugly. There are tremors. There's all sorts <clears throat> of stuff that's just left out yeah. of the film, and a lot of that seems to be just a way to put a gloss on the story so it becomes approachable and accessible. But it didn't. It was sort of tugging at the back of my mind here and there, but it doesn't feel like a like a huge sellout. The movie still feels like it's being true to itself. It's just finessing a true story yeah. for a better commercial presentation for for a more audience friendly movie. Mm. And I think this story is really about this relationship more than for sure the first few weeks. There will be like we can have like many scenes of him like not doing a good job, but mm. and there's still like some moments where. Where, like, for instance, he's, like, trying to fit him and put the forks on his eyes or stuff. So there's still some moments like this. And I think they used a lot of montage, too, with music to kind of showing the how how the relationship grow and, like, how he learns about it. So they use a lot of music montage for that. Too. Mm-hmm. And maybe that was it. It's just the montages <laughs> tend to trigger my Gary Marshall instinct where it's just like, oh, that mm. gets cheesy. That's a little hacky. Yeah, but it's, they have good music. They, yeah, the soundtrack true. is it's not a bad soundtrack. The soundtrack is good, so that, make it, <laughs> that makes it... Uh, acceptable mm-hmm. and then this allows them to do whatever they want for their next film and they went and made Samba which mm. is a radical departure basically if you're looking at a commercial cinema they, they went and they made a film that is pretty much antithetical to what French audiences want to see from them I, I assume that was how it was described to me at the time anyway yeah I think it's a very important film because basically this for, for those who haven't watched it Samba we follow Omar Sy again, but this time he plays a refugee that just arrived to France from, uh, I'm not sure which country, but a, uh, an African country. Mm-hmm. And what they did with this film was basically giving a name and a story to all these anonymous refugees that we keep hearing about uh, on the news. And for once, we follow one and we get attached to him. We see where is why is he here what's his hope what what are what is his dreams and and i think it was very important so it was i think this film was made like three or four years ago so it's even before the refugee crisis and that that film is i think even more important now than it was when it got released and yeah it's once again just put some humanity it's like the same thing for intouchable is so many I mean if you don't have someone a friend or a family in a wheelchair it's not that you don't care of it it's not that you don't care about it it's just that you won't necessarily think about it but after watching this film and there's nearly 20 million person that went to on the theater to watch this film now it's a way to not get into their face but like being more aware and being more like conscious about what it's like to be on a wheelchair what it's like to have this life, what it's like to live on the on the border, on the suburbs, and like struggling to, for survival, and that's also why I think Antushab is great because it kind of tell the stories of anonymous people. But now we have characters, and even more true because it's a true story. It's like people you can relate to because you spend two hours watching them and liking them, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. I think and it was very very ballsy of them because after Antushab they could have done not Antushab's too or something easy that could but they decided to choose this film where the subject is just like so we're gonna follow a refugee in Paris like oh 
I'm pretty sure if they wanted to do that as a first film, that would not have worked. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you don't you you make friends with a friendlier film, and then you follow. Yeah, yeah, you do one for them, one for you. What have, call it, call it what you will, but it's the kind of movie that you make when no one will tell you no. When mm. you, when you're in a position to do what you want, and then for the next film, they went and did C'est la vie, which. I yeah I know you liked it more than I did yeah yeah it's a uh, because I I saw an interview of them talking about why they decided because this film is basically you follow like the day like a, a team that just the uh, wedding planners mm-hmm. and like working on a wedding and basically they said that after what happened in the last few years in France and all the attacks they wanted they wanted to take a break and they just wanted to to love and this film is also about a bunch of different people working together to make things work. And that's how they wanted to relate with what's going on in France, which is people from every background, every job. They're just going to work together. It's going to be messy. It's not going to work. But still, at the end, they're going to manage to be slightly or quite successful because they worked together. So I think that's really what they wanted to do with this film. That's what I liked. Other than I found like there's a lot of great comedians and they have a lot of characters and I think it's it was a great brand a lot of supporting characters that I really liked it really made, it reminded me like shows like The Office where you have like 12 characters and just one like just gonna have a couple of lines each episode but you still care for it so yeah I really liked it and I think once again what this uh, what Eric Tonelado and Olivier Nakash are doing great it's I recognize my friends on their film and it's rare. It's like when you watch films, sometimes you're like, oh, okay, this, I've never met this kind of people. But I found that they managed to have like character I have met in life. Right. And that's something I think not a lot of filmmakers are able to do. Like I watch a film or a series and like, okay, yeah, I know this person. It reminds me of my friend. Or, and that's something they're doing very well. And probably one of the reasons to why their films are so successful in France and why people really like it. Yeah, and I didn't dislike C'est la vie, but my feeling, my takeaway from it was that the the characters were all very interesting, but there was so much effort being put into keeping them in motion. It just mm. felt like the camera had to move at, you know, 45 seconds. It was impatient in a way that none of their other films has been. And I guess that, I mean, it's part of the momentum. It's part of the whole farce engine that things have to move and things have to go and people have to be they're constantly rushing mm. from one location or another but it just I don't know it just didn't feel settled enough for me in the, in the, in the way that their other films are just sort of steeped in yeah. character and I don't know I'm not I'm not going to speak for them but yeah. I think that's what they wanted and if I have a chance to meet them I'll ask them if I was right <laughs> but I also feel like because the story is about like preparing a wedding and when you prepare a wedding you have no time to settle that's true you it's like you have no time not even for a cigarette break. So I think that's why it was like this. And But that's true. And it's exactly what I was saying that I loved about Antushab is having those moments or just sitting down and just taking a break. And I think they did that very well on this film. So for C'est la vie, oh, I, don't, I assume that maybe because of the story that was that when you won a wedding, you have no time to, yeah. to do that. So. Which is fair. I mean, certainly that's that's part of it. The momentum, yeah, uh, it, it has to be there, and um, and yeah, and then um, and that got me wondering how you can possibly resituate uh, Intushabu to an American 
milieu, which which someone just did uh, with Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart, and that just strikes me as strange. Um, we called the upside, and neither of us saw it at TIFF. Yeah, though, no. So. I don't want to see the, the remake. I think yeah. also if this like this films that are good to be remake. For instance, uh, I don't know if you, Welcome to the Six, the French film. Oh, yeah. the Danny Boone. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly a film that deserves to be remake because it's very specific. And I know in Italy they did the Upside Down where it was someone from the north that moved to the south because okay. it's very cultural, like moving. These things make sense to be remake. But I think Antouchable is universal enough. And I and I know it's, it was also like a big international success, so mm. I don't I don't think I want to see it. Yeah. Plus, Kevin Hart is like five feet tall. I can't imagine him picking up Brian Cranston and moving him around. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. I mean, he's built, but he's a little guy. Yeah. Well, I can. But I think it's too. I can see these two actors working very well together. I I, I really like the film he did with The Rock, the uh, Central oh, Intelligence. Central yeah, it was very fun comedy. I mean. No, I, I'm not a big fan of remakes, generally speaking, but mm. it's also like if if they just took this, just for me, it's like a good example of a good remake will be, I'm talking about TV show, will be The Office. They, they take the setup of the British show and then they have their own characters that grow differently. If you just take this, just the plot and make something different, that's interesting. If they try to do exactly the same, then I don't think I would enjoy it. Mm. So I I don't know it's hard to talk about a film I haven't seen but uh, right. I'm just usually not happy when they try to remake stuff and like it's just like so many bad remakes like Old Boy for instance so <laughs> yeah just, just miss the point entirely it's like every time there's like a great international film that I'd rather have people watching this film instead of waiting for the remake I've never understood that either I mean I mean sometimes yeah you get Magnificent Seven out of Seven Samurai mm. but but the impulse to Oh, audiences aren't going to understand another language. They're not going to want to read a movie. Let's just make it again with the same with, with famous people they recognize. Yeah. That's not how you share, right? Like, but, it's not how yeah. you promote culture. For me, the difference between adaptation and remake. If you take the yeah, because like we were talking about, Welcome to the Sticks, the culture is very culture specific. But then, if you want to do it with exact same scenes, exact that that won't work, mm-hmm. and that's not interesting. Yeah, I I just don't. Yeah, I have remakes. I'm trying, and there. I know there are good ones, but I just don't know that it's necessary. Yeah, and it's just like I know that in um, the Departed, the Scorchesy movie, for mm-hmm. instance, which is a remake of Infernal Affair. It was a good film, but I was very upset because I watched the. It was a film from Hong Kong, and I remember watching it, and I remember seeing the same scenes. Yeah, and I was like, it's uh, the 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 story. You can do so many great things with that. Why did you do exactly the same thing? So. Yeah, I was very upset after this movie because, like, <laughs> I, I, I saw it already. Yeah. And, yeah, like, the acting, the directing, that was, it, of course, it was amazing. It was a great film. I think that's the film he won an Oscar for. He did, yeah, finally. Yeah, finally, but I, for this film, I was like, nah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you never win for the thing you really yeah. deserve it for. Silence. No nom- One nomination and it didn't win. That nah, I missed probably... it. It just stayed in theater for a week. I know. It's great, though. It's on. It's out on disc now, and, and I highly recommend it. It's, I think it's his best film in decades yeah and I looked great but yeah, yeah I wanted to see in the theatre and he was already gone so. yeah it's beautiful too and the biggest screen possible mm. um, 
but that yeah, that's that's an endless problem. I think with with the the way the machinery works of, of filmmaking too. You know, you're spending millions of dollars. You might as well spend it on something you think is safe. Mm. So let's take this property and do it again. But yeah, my favorite things about the Departed are the scenes that weren't in Infernal Affairs, like the the entire relationship with Mark Wahlberg. That character doesn't exist in the in mm. the Hong Kong version, and he's just so interesting and fun in, in in the Scorsese film, just because it is a surprise even if you've seen yeah. the original. Yeah, hey, that's why. Like if. I feel like a good remake is a remake that just take the basic idea and then go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I think like it's also like when I watch a film, I want to see the director, the screenwriter point of view. I don't want to see someone just repeating what someone else said. And for instance, like a good example of how remakes upset me is like France often does remake of Quebecois film. Do they really? That's and I don't know if you saw Starbuck. It yes, was, yeah. It, There's it, a French version? I've seen f- the American it, remake. Yeah, they, they, yeah, there was an American remake, but also like a French remake. No. I find it insulting for Quebecois, first <laughs> of all, but also I only watched the trailer and that was almost dialogue for dialogue, the same thing. Uh-huh. It, 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 it was with José Garcia, who okay. had played the, the, the lead role. I thought it was just, why are you doing that? Like we, we, yeah. And we, I remember seeing Starbucks in France and it has subtitles because of some dialect differences. But still, and the good thing is like at the box office, Starbucks did better than the remake. That is nice. That that was very happy. It, it really upset me to see, to well, see they did a remake of that. It's just, and it was like a few years apart, not I even like, because no I mean, it, also if sometimes you will do a remake of an old film and you like, you know, bring a new like, so for for younger audience, they sure, won't yeah. necessarily watch it. But sometimes the remake of the film just been made, and then you redo it. So, France is also like doing. It's like like Hollywood sometimes does some remake that really is. A, I had no idea that even existed. That's amazing. I mean, and I would assume that you know the Quebecois would be so happy that a film is being remade just because that's the Canadian thing. If someone mm. pays attention to us outside the country, we're just over the moon. We love that. Mm. Um, that's so odd. Uh, I kind of want. Has it? I kind of want to watch it. <laughs> it's really perverse. I didn't mind Company Man either. I thought that was fine. Uh, but yeah, the original Starbucks is still the film I would want to see. The film I would go mm. to see. I'm, I'm sure it's on the wall here somewhere. Yeah, and they did also the remake of um, uh, La Grande. The, oh, uh, the one with the doctor. Yes, uh, La Grande Seduction. La Grande Seduction. Yeah, they, oh. they did one too in France. Did they? Because yeah. there's an American, a Canadian, yeah, an English. Yeah, I thought it, it, it was on the West Coast. That the, uh, it was some, yeah, because uh, I know East Coast, yeah, yeah. And but that one, I at least I found that same. It was because we also have the same problem in France, and I haven't seen it either. But it was maybe more specific to a space to a special like region in France. Uh-huh. I had like some, and there's still like this kind of specific region story you can add to it, right. but. Yeah, the the Starbuck remake didn't make any sense. Thank God, I have no idea. And I'm glad it it bombed to the box office. That was good. <laughs> good. Well, that's justified. Yeah. Uh, so, as far as your own work goes, is there anything of Antichablo uh, that you've used or borrowed or incorporated into your own creative DNA? I found that it's something yeah, about one thing I'm really trying to do uh, when I write or act or produce films is to be truthful to the stories. So, for instance, in my series uh, Rencontre, uh, the story is like uh, my character is a French tourist and he meets a bunch of people, uh, mostly francophone in Toronto. And we used me and the co-writer, Brendan Martin, a lot of stories, personal or that we've heard. Okay. 
and I wanted to be as truthful as possible. And for for instance, uh, there is a story about my character meeting a. Uh, like someone who's like on the ravines and he's like uh, just fell off his bike and he explained we realized like he's actually like explain why he moved from uh, Guinea to uh, Canada and I used actually a story of one of my Senegalese friend that moved to Canada too and he told me it all started because his uncle brought to brought him when he was eight years old a t-shirt with the Kenyan flag and that's what made him want to move to Canada when he, he told me that story so on the first take, the actor said, when I was a child and not when I was eight. Yeah. And I wanted to be so truthful to this story. Like, oh, it's when I was eight. And I'm not, when I, I'm not very attached to like word by word of the dialogues, but this particular thing, I didn't want to change. And a lot of the stories we tell, there was like some details that were very important to us and that we really wanted to, to stay in the story. So it's just being truthful to the stories. Uh, for instance, we also have on the last episode where I'm on my way to the airport, I meet uh, this uh, lady who lives in France and come to visit uh, her son and grandchildren that live in Canada. And she's she's sad because she lives in France, her family are here and it's hard for her. And that's when I took the plane to go back to France. I've met twice uh, a lady that was a grandma visiting her, her grandchildren and mm-hmm. And I used some of the stories uh, she told me in the thing, in, in, in the script. So so it could be like, for instance, they were telling, like she said, the last one I met told me that her grandson didn't want to play with her because she was a stranger and it broke her heart. And so I used the story she told me on the plane in the script. Uh, yeah, it's really trying to get the tr- get true characters, pe- stories that you we can relate to and as a storyteller, being able to share those stories to an audience. Yeah. And there are how many episodes of it? There's 10 episodes. And they're all available now on... So they're all on Bell 5 TV 1. Okay. And uh, now we also organize some public screenings because it's not a lot of people at Bell TV 1. So, <laughs> And it's, uh, yeah, it's... I think we have the first public screening in two days as we record that. And this is probably very, one of the most stressful experiences I've had. Yeah. <laughs> Because when I'm just an actor, that's okay. But when you write, produce, and are the lead actor, that's uh, a lot yeah. of me and also of Brennan uh, that we wrote and produced together. So that's going to be a very stressful and interesting experience. I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, and it'll be over by the time this airs, so you'll be able to listen to this yeah. comfortably and be, yeah. you can find the show on Bell. <laughs> Uh, but thanks for taking the time because I can't imagine you have a lot to spare right now. Oh, yeah, but it's my pleasure. and it's, uh, It was nice to... like share and I, I think I'm I think like France as is more like we have more chance to see international movies and I found that Canada but luckily in Toronto because of Chief and we also have like Carlton I believe as like sometimes international pro- program and even yeah. like some other like Cineplex but I find like North America seems to be less attracted to international films so I think it's it's, it's great to be able to share it because Every time I meet someone from a country, the first thing I'm going to think about is either a football team or a film. And I think this is like the thing that brought people together. Uh, last month, uh, last week, for instance, I was uh, at uh, my girl's friend and family uh, and uh, her family is from Guyana. And his unc- her uncle was telling me about like how when he grew up uh, watching Alain Delon and Jean-Paul Belmondo, 
And then we talked about football too, not uh, football, real football, what you, what you guys call soccer. But yeah, yeah. but my, it's, my wife is English. It's football. Yeah, good. <laughs> but it's it just I, I found that cinema is one of those things that brought pe- bring people together, and you can share your culture with that. And Antichamp is a film I'm proud of as a French person. I'm like, yeah, watch it. It's good. It's my people that did that. And I don't I don't know anyone in this film, but I still feel like that's my guy. That's my boy. It's nice. It's good to have something to support. Yeah. Fly the flag. Exactly. <laughs> My thanks to Florian Francois, whose new series Rencontre can be found right now on Bell 5 TV 1 and will hopefully be available elsewhere very soon. You can find Florian on Twitter at FefFlorian. That's F-E-F underscore Florian. And you can find Intouchable on Blu-ray and DVD from Entertainment One in Canada and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment in the USA. It's also available on iTunes and Google Play. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at SomeoneElsesMovie.com. If you want to leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever, that would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.